When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. It's Rutgers Day. Got to have that day somewhere in there, as long as Ohio State's playing Rutgers on the schedule. Doug Maurice, we are breaking down, as you know, every game of the Ohio State schedule. We're up to week five. We've done Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin. Now we're doing October 1st, home game for the Buckeyes, 3.30, homecoming against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. But there's only so much Rutgers football we can do on Buckeye Talk. So we have Steve Politi, who I think is, not just I think, Many people think is one of the best sports writers, best sports columnists in the country. He's won that award along those lines before. He's the guest to talk Rutgers football, but we do like 33% Rutgers football, 67% how to be a great sports writer. So we're in the summer. There is stuff going on, and we're going to get to that. There are two Ohio State recruiting camps this week. One was on Monday. One is today on Tuesday. On the Wednesday pod, we're going to wrap up both of those. Stephen Means is attending both. We decided to wait and do them together. And then I think on Thursday, we'll do a recruiting rapid-fire pod. And then Friday, we have a really good one, a backlogged one. If we do that, we're going to have a really good football discussion about Ohio State football. I I think some of you like this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, how to be a great sports writer. I can't think of someone I enjoy talking about the process with more than Steve Politi. So... Come on in and try it out. When we go, I'll come back at the end, give some final Rutgers thoughts there. But also, if you care about that game, week five, it's probably going to be like a 35-point spread. Um, but they're in the Big Ten East, as long as the Big Ten East exists. And Ohio State, for now, is playing them every year. So it's our Rutgers preview, week five. Steve Politi joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Honored to be joined here on Buckeye Talk by one of – and this isn't just me saying this, because I know, Steve, what people – what I say, nobody cares – but people who vote on things have said this. One of the very finest sports columnists in the United States of America, Steve Politi from NJ.com. Uh, you have you have awards, right? You you've been you've been number one. But well, we all have awards. This is no, no. They, they, they pass have, those things out at the train station coming to town. <laughs> I haven't won an award since 1998. I won an award in 1998. I got a bust of Mark Twain for it. It's on my shelf right now because I haven't won anything in the last 25 years. So, That's a good award. Mark Twain bust. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, but you've been uh, doing this how long now that you've been an actual sports columnist, Steve? I've been a sports columnist since 2005. Do you ever get tired of having opinions on things? You know, uh, that is a funny, it's a funny thing. Although early in my career, I, my, one of my sports writers at the time, there was some big raging debate about Barry Bonds. And I said to my boss, you know, I'm not sure I have an opinion on that. And he said, Why? And instead of crystallizing, I guess that's a good point. Why would you not have an opinion on this? So, so um, you know, you just learn to sometimes your opinions aren't as strong as others, I guess is the best way to put it. 
So, Steve, you and I are going to talk about Rutgers football. We're here previewing the Ohio State Rutgers game this season, but we're going to talk about some other things, too, because I do like every now and then. And I know our listeners here on Buckeye Talk like the inside baseball tart talk about sports writing sometimes. Um, I want to talk first about where, so at NJ.com, it's the Newark Star Ledger becomes NJ.com. The digital world, you personally, you write a lot about the New York sports teams. Uh, obviously, your outlet covers the New York sports teams with beat writers. Where does Rutgers sports fit into the landscape of NJ.com? Because I would imagine it is different. It's a, it's a personal New Jersey sports thing for fans who care a lot about New York sports teams or their home sports teams. But how do you think about it personally of how much you should write about Rutgers and how much your audience cares about Rutgers compared to the Yankees and Jets and Giants and Nets and Knicks and everybody else? I mean, I think it's right at top, right at the top. And that, that was the shift when we went to digital. We are a New Jersey website. We have a very big New Jersey audience. And Rutgers is the one thing that we cover uh, ex- almost exclusively. I mean, there's a couple other outlets in New Jersey that cover it, but we are the alpha dogs on that beat. We are not that with the Yankees or with the Giants, although our coverage is ex- excellent with both of those. Uh, you know, obviously, they're, the Yankees are covered by about 15 different outlets, and the Giants, you know, probably the same thing. Uh, whereas for us, Rutgers is sort of, we've, we've planted our flag there. That's our signature thing. So I would put, it, for me, it's Rutgers and the Giants are one and one A, uh, and then whatever order, whatever team's doing better, whatever's in season. Uh, and then, you know, the other teams fall on Yankees. High school sports are huge for us. Uh, you know, we, those are those are the big things for us coverage coverage wise. What um, where are people with Rutgers right now? Are they if you are a Rutgers sports fan, your audience that you guys are leaning into so hard, are they frustrated? Are they hopeful? Are they excited? Are they downtrodden? This is obviously an era. The basketball team, Steve Peichel. I mean, this is a this is pretty good. This and the football it. team, Greg Schiano, who else would you want coaching Rutgers football? Where are where's the fan base right now? I think a combination of hopeful and excited. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, you know, this is the first time in I mean, since I've been covering Rutgers sports that they can honestly say they've got the right person running the university, running the athletic department, running the basketball team, running the football team. Uh, and it's you know, I mean, this this is. These are the salad days. I know this is going to get people might giggle coming <laughs> here at Ohio State when you think of you know the team lost in in the uh, in Dayton, the basketball team lost in Dayton, and the you know the football team was five wins last year. And I get it; that's not what the the high mark that people expect. But you know, overall, finally, there's the the idea that Rutgers doesn't belong in the Big Ten or shouldn't be in the Big Ten has been disproven. They're they're winning they're in the Final Four in lacrosse, Final Four women's soccer. I mean, the NCAA tournament and a bunch of other sports, you know, this, this finally you're seeing uh, a lot of teams really start to compete in the big 10 and do well. And I know that this is a football show and that's, that's, that's what drives the drives the bus, so to speak, but even football, finally, at least they're not the 78 nothing days uh, when the team was just an absolute embarrassment are over, you know, they're recruiting well, they're, they're respectable on the field. They snuck into the Gator bowl last year. Uh, so even in football, there's reason, there's reason to hope. So I think optimism is the right word for Rutgers fans. From a Rutgers perspective, is there any doubt that joining the big 10 was the right move? I, I mean, only if you're just completely clueless, I think there are still some people who think Rutgers should be competing with Lafayette. And that was their history for, you know, a hundred and hundred years of Rutgers sports. They were, you know, trying to beat Princeton. <laughs> and that right. was 
that was the goal. They wanted to be, they wanted to be Princeton. They made the shift to big time athletics in, in the seventies and eighties. And it took a long time to catch up in a lot of ways. They obviously still have not caught up, but you know, it, if you look at that window of time where Rutgers was when they ended up in the big 10, I mean, that could have been, that could have gone the other way. That could be UConn right now, which is to say, you know, just, muddling along with a football team that has that has no conference um so yeah that was certainly uh the biggest it's the 10-year anniversary coming up I, I mean i think it's a transformative moment for the university as a whole forget the athletic department i mean that was this now that was a, a, just an incredibly important moment for 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 rutgers for the piscataway for the entire yeah for the entire thing so uh if you think it was the wrong decision you're not paying attention put it that way Speaking specifically about football, where in the overall potential of what Rutgers football could be, say on a scale of one to a thousand, because I like to give a thousand, I like decimal point to people say, oh, it's like an 8.7 or 6.3 or 4.1. If I give you up to a thousand, then you get specific scale of one to a thousand in the arc of what Rutgers football could be. If everything, whatever, whatever, everything would mean in terms of better resources, better facilities, whatever, what the maximum of Rutgers football could be. Where are they right now? I think right now they're probably at 436. Okay. So not even halfway. Not even halfway, no. Okay. Um, And that is based on because is it mostly a facilities discussion, a resources discussion? What gets them the other – 650 yeah. points. I think they're still there. It's just still early in, in what Greg Shannon is trying to build. And it's just a recruiting thing. You know, I mean, they have, they have a, the stadium is what it is. It needs renovations. Uh, they're pushing for a new football, you know, we call it the death star, a new football building that every team in the big 10 has except them essentially. So that's the next facility upgrade. Uh, they have the practice fields they want. So if you, if you're looking at the right coach in place, uh, they finally have the resources to pay assistant coaches, which was a big deal. They used to lose assistant coaches all the time. Now they're competitive on that end. Uh, you know, they're, they're spending more than ever on football. If you got the right guy in place, the recruiting is improving. You know, now it's a facilities thing. Uh, and then, you know, th- the next step for them is to get consistently back to where they were, which was they were under Greg Shano, a perennial bowl team. They made a bowl every year. They were a six, seven, eight win team. Uh, I think that's the next level. I don't know if it's this year based on the schedule, but, you know, it could happen the uh, 2024, you get back to that stage. And then you want, then you see what the ceiling is. You know I mean? I think, I think there's no reason why uh, Rutgers can't be a Michigan, be a Michigan state, you know, a team that is always good. And then sometimes really good. You know, I think that's what, but not Rutgers is not going to be Ohio state. <laughs> they've got, they've, they've, ne- they've never going to be, you know, the top five perennial national title contender, but there's no reason they can't be a program that is respectable that goes to bowl games. And on that odd year, that one in a once in a decade, everything falls together. Then you're, then you're getting to a point where you're playing in Ohio state or Michigan with something on the line. I think that that's the ceiling for the program. When you look at the best teams in the Big Ten in football, and I and I do think it's it's just like with the SEC. I think a lot of times with the SEC, we think about the SEC when actually it's an Alabama conversation. Take Alabama out and then look at the SEC. Let's take Ohio State out and then look at the Big Ten. But is there anything holding high school players in New Jersey back 
from getting to the point where I want to play for Rutgers. That if you grew up in Michigan, there's probably something in you. Doesn't mean that you're going to go to a Michigan school, but there's probably something in you that makes you want to be a Spartan or a Wolverine. If you grew up in Iowa, there's something in you that probably makes you want to be a Hawkeye or a Cornhusker or a Badger or a Hoosier or a Boilermaker or anybody else. Why, why wouldn't that be the case at Rutgers? It traditionally has not been the case. How close is it to being the case now? And why can't it be that Greg Schiato gets the 12 of the 15 best high school players in New Jersey every year? Yeah, you know, that's, that's such an interesting thing. And it, I think it goes deeper than football in New Jersey. And it's funny. Um, you know, I, a lot of the best, the best of best students go to other universities. I mean, there is, there is, a, there is something about New Jersey that when, when looking at colleges, uh, people, people leave state. It's just, it's just, it just happens Interesting. Uh, from a, yeah. And from a football standpoint, you know, that connection is going to be tough. I don't know that Rutgers is ever going to get 12 of the top 15, but I mean, the top 50 is good enough that if they can get 15 or 20 of that group, yep, then that, that's, that's enough. You know, they're never, they're never going to get every athlete from, you know, Ohio state's going to come in and get a couple Notre Dame's going to come and get Penn state. They're going to come in and get a couple, but for a while there, they were getting, two of the top 50, you know, they were not getting anybody. And now at least, you know, now at least I think a high school recruit can look at Rutgers and say, okay, I can go there to college. I can go there. We can compete in the big 10. I want to stay home. I don't want to, you know, I want my family to watch my games. At least now it's a viable option. And I think that that's the key thing. Uh, and you can start keeping, you can start keeping more of them in, 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 in state. Okay. So program in the right direction. What does, what makes Greg Schiano the right? Is it just that he got the job before he did a really good job and then he left and now he came back. And so he has his own history is just, is it his own personal history that seems to make Greg Schiano the right guy for the job at Rutgers? Or is there something else about him? Cause it does I, seem like he is the ideal Rutgers football. Guy. <laughs> right. There, it, I think he understands the place better than, than most people. Uh, and I, I also think he's, he's more of a CEO than uh, a, a football coach. And he, like Rutgers is a tough place and there's a lot of little nuances and, and crazy things that, that, that are part of being a Rutgers coach. And, you know, I think it overwhelms me. I think it overwhelmed Chris Ash. You know, you get here and you think, all right, I'm going to I'm going to be head coach of a football team. This is what I have to do. And then you realize that, oh, wait, I also have to worry about the practice field. I have to worry about yep. alumni. I have to worry about oh, the, the professors and this school. And, I can, and there's so many other things that go into being a football coach, period. But also, you're not dealing with that at Ohio State. There's just a mechanism, a machinery that's just constantly working that I don't think I'm I could be wrong. I don't think Ryan Day is worried about carpet fibers or worried about, you know, academics or I think I think I have to, I have to imagine all that's pretty much taken care of at Ohio State. At Rutgers, it's really not. And I think I think that Greg Shiano has an understanding of that, that that's broader. He gets the state of New Jersey, too, which is tricky, you know. You know, he know he knows which coaches were you know which fa you know, favors the the whole you know the, the whole nuances of high school football in the state. He's from here. I think the credibility that he's won here in the past matters too. You know, so there's a lot of things going in his favor. And uh, and again, when he got hired, when you when we were thinking about it, all right, if not him, then who became yeah. a big like there was no. There was no plan B. And that that one week or so where it looked like he might he pulled out and there was a lot of hard feelings and it looked like that was not going to go the right direction. When you stopped and thought about 
okay, so you know what, where, where are they turning here? It, it was it was pretty hard to see a path forward. This might be Jerseyist of me, and please tell me if it is. Jersey. But I always ask this question, and I'm just doing it to probably show off for the Buckeye Talk listeners here. Uh, if they were the Jersey State Swamp Monsters instead of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, would they be better at football and get better recruits? You, you mean if they were if they changed the name to New Jersey University as opposed to Rutgers? Yeah, and, and change this, then change the mascot to the Swamp Monsters. Swamp Mon- the Swamp change the mascot as well as the Swamp Monsters. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. Jersey point- State. NJ State Swamp Monster. <laughs> Do you know the Nets almost became the Swamp Dragons at one point? They yeah, were no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I mean, I'm not even like, I, I say it because I'm a jerk, but like, I actually <laughs> think it would be like incredibly super cool. And like, I think it would be super cool. Is, yeah. is, is it, is it not? Like, that, that it's, it feels more like an independent yeah. baseball team than a, yeah, than a yeah, major okay. college university, no, perhaps. Yeah. No, that's fair. Right. Knights are kind of, yeah, it's, it's an ordinary mascot. Um, it's regal. Yeah, it's real. The thing Shannon did the first time around that people don't, I don't think outside the state recognize, like he branded the university. There was not, there were 18 different logos for Rutgers. And really? he, he got like a guy in the marketing department named Dan. <laughs> and together they came up and they came up with the block R. And, really? like, and, and Greg Shannon said, this is it. This is all we're using on football stuff is this R. And eventually the university said, well, that's a great idea. And now, I mean, to go around, everybody who go into Rutgers has got that R magnet on the back of their cards. And that's him. He did He did this. I mean, the number of logos that the Rutgers had before Greg Shen, I mean, they had like a knight, they had knight head, they had Rutgers with a knight sword in the middle of it, all these crazy, I mean, a million different t-shirts. You, nothing was identifiable with Rutgers until that. Wow. And as you said, like, yeah, nobody at Ohio State had to, like Ryan Day's not like, you know what? What if we had a logo? They're like, yeah, we've exactly. had Think this logo has been trademarked. We've been suing people over this yeah. logo for 50 years. We're good. Yeah, right, exactly. No, he didn't have to come up with Brutus the Buck. He wasn't in a meeting to come up with Brutus. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's just wild that the stuff that uh, he did this first time around uh, that. Uh, and to his credit, he's building on that. I mean, that, that for the things he accomplished the first time, you know, now he can come in and at least that foundation yeah. is somewhat set. It wasn't the same massive, massive uh, undertaking that it was that time. All right, quick break with Steve Politi. We'll come back, get on the field with the 2022 Rutgers Scarlet Knights next after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back on Buckeye Talk, Doug Marie, Steve Politi from NJ.com, as good of a columnist as you'll find in the country. Good recruiting class, right? I don't know. That doesn't mean, hey, they're going to have a bunch of true freshmen on the field in 2022. But was there not some enthusiasm and energy about this latest group that Greg Schiano brought in? Oh, a ton. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not just a good recruiting class, but a good recruiting class and where he had to recruit. Well, I mean, he mm. really stocked up, got the top offensive lineman in New Jersey, top player in New Jersey, offensive lineman, he got, got a ton of offensive linemen. Uh, and then, you know, it really has shown some proficiency in the transfer portal where he also stocked up on linemen in that position. So at least now, 
with this recruiting class, you, you don't have to rush in a, a true freshman at left guard against <laughs> against whoever, you know, whoever, whatever the next dominant defensive lineman from Ohio State's going to be. You could probably tell me, but at least now they can develop the players and and, and have a yeah, have some have some hope that they won't have to slide slide these top recruits in right away. So, uh, and the big thing is the the kid, the quarterback, the kid Gavin yeah. set from Kentucky. So uh, Rutgers got the top. I mean, this has never happened. Rutgers got the top player from New Jersey. The top player from New York and the top player from Kentucky in this recruiting class, Gavin Wimps had a quarterback. He's got all the skills. You see, he makes throws that no, you know, no quarterback who ever stepped foot in Piscataway can make. You know, now it's the question of okay, he's just he's eighteen. He just went to his senior prom. Is he ready to come in and be their starter this year? Uh, I certainly think eventually he'll get that job. I don't know if it'll be right away though. And again, this is this is sort of a Quinn Ewer situation. Except it worked out. He stayed because yeah. Gavin Wimsett, he comes, he reclassifies, gets there early, plays last year, but really now he's really a freshman when you yes. think about it. But 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 Quinn Ewers came and then didn't play and then left. This guy, he I mean, he could be a three or four year starter at quarterback and be as impactful as any Rutgers football player we've seen yeah, since like Ray Rice, right? I mean, we're, we're, this is a game changer potentially. No question. If he is what they think he is, he is that he's going to be that guy. And the, the, that's been of the myriad of problems that, that Rutgers have had. And they haven't had a quarterback since, I mean, <laughs> Gary Nova when the last time they were competitive in, in, in the big 10, which is their first season in the big 10. And so they've had a lot of turnover at that position. They've had a lot of guys who just weren't equipped to run, an offense and and you saw it i mean it wasn't it wasn't just that Rutgers was bad uh, under chris ash it was just they were unwatchable they couldn't score they couldn't move the ball they've had they had some passing games in the single digits i think they had one that might have been in negative digits i mean this 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 stats that just aren't you know just wasn't a functional football team uh they changed that under chiano they they show they're showing progress they're still not a good offense, but at least they're an okay offense. So they hope that this kid can come in and eventually be that guy. They get some playmakers around him. Uh, they could, if they can get in here and start for, yeah, two, three years, he could be a transformational type of player. Why did he pick Rutgers? Again, if this was, hey, he's the best quarterback in New Jersey and he decided to stay home, what was it about a kid from Kentucky that Greg Schiano got him to Piscataway? I mean, Greg Shannon is a good recruiter. And I think he, I think the kid is wired differently. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 it's great. It's a great question. And when we've asked, when we've asked him and when we've asked ourselves, uh, but yeah, Shannon's a good recruiter. I think he wanted to go someplace different. He wanted to blaze his own trail. He hit it off with, with Sean Gleason, the offensive coordinator at Rutgers, yep. and, uh, and make, make relationships in recruiting. Um, yeah. And he pride, they pride him away from, from Kentucky. And, you know, that's, it's one of the one of the big one of the big recruiting success stories uh, in recent memory for 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 Rutgers. All right, Gavin Wimsett. That's a, that's a name that Big Ten fans are probably going to have to know over the next couple of years. He's going to get a chance there. Five and eight last year for Rutgers, the best season since going eight and five in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. So, after a three and six first year for Shiano, Chris Ash, his last two years won one game and two games. It is ascending. Is it an ascension year still? Is this a year where Rutgers? will be competing to have a winning record to try to get back to a bowl. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I think it depends. This, this depends. It really doesn't. It's, it is a schedule thing. And I guess we're going to find out, you know, how I, there's a chance they could be better this year and not 
be as good record wise. That's always possible. They open with Boston college. I'm on the road. That's kind of the pivotal game for them. I think, you know, if they can steal a win there, then you're okay. That kind of changes the dynamics because you got Wagner and Temple, which should be a pair of wins, you know, but again, we were looking at the big, that the schedule makers didn't do them any favors with, you know, crossover games, you know, Iowa, you think Nebraska should be better. Minnesota at Minnesota, yeah, so it's again, it's just it's just a matter of how good is the Big Ten this year. I, I guess there's some questions as to the depth of the league, but you know, I think they they if if they're sitting there, this is this is, they're sitting there five and six when they play Maryland in the season finale. That would be a great accomplishment because you know then at least they'd have a chance, yeah, uh, you know, to to get to that bowl. Who anybody else we should know besides the quarterback for this season? Who who are the guys that that might pop or might be uh, you know the stars for Rutgers this year? Right. Well, I mean, so as good as Noah Vedral is, there's, a, I'm sorry, as good as Gavin Wimsett is, there's a chance that Noah Vedral, who was the starting quarterback the last couple of years, who's a really well-respected uh, uh, senior captain, he might be the guy who starts the yeah. season opener. And if he's the guy who starts the season opener, he could be the guy who starts for uh, Ohio State in September. So like, he could be the guy on the field for, for Ohio State. You know, they lost two of their best offensive play- players, Bo Melton and and Isaiah Pacheco are, are in the NFL and probably will get on NFL rosters. So that's, you know, that's, that's certainly a concern. Uh, they should be really good. They should be better on defense. I think, you know, a name that I like is uh, Keyson Abraham. He's the defensive back. He's a senior. He's, you know, he's the kind of guy who can, he's a playmaker. He can kind of guy who can make, be a playmaker on defense. You know, that that's one, that's one name that I'm guessing you're going to see, you know, uh, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see who comes in and becomes the guy who replaces Bo Melton, who was, you know, the, a, a big offensive player. They brought in a couple of transfers who can make a difference guy who was on the roster last year, Shameen Jones, a wide receiver who I think they expect a lot out of, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a big shakeup on the offensive line. I know that's not going to be not a sexy thing for, for fans to watch, but I think there's a chance that they'd be bigger and better up front. And if that's the case, you know, maybe they go become more of a, a running team. And if that's the case, uh, Kyle Manongai was the running back last year, 5'9", 205 pound, kind of Ray Rice build dude, you know, who gets the ball, gets the ball, puts his head down and, and, and goes. Uh, you know, he could be the, he could be a thousand yard rusher if, if they do get the, the offensive line situation sorted out. You know, I think we're going to find out just how good that depth was on that team last year because they have a lot of holes to fill. All right, he's Steve Politi. We're talking Rutgers football. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the craft of sports writing in the modern age. Craft. Craft. The Robert Kraft of sports writing. (laughs) Uh, We'll go to the massage parlor next after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Doug and Steve back. So listen, we gave you the, some Rutgers football stuff. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think the program stuff of Rutgers is really interesting about where they are, where they're trying to get to with Shiano in charge. Um, I think the quarterback stuff is really interesting, but we don't, we don't need to run through, you know, the whole too deep on both sides of the ball. So let's talk a little bit about a rotten Steve <laughs> Politi. How do you come up? Because I think you are as much of an idea guy as any sports columnist in the country. How do you come up with some of the things that you choose to write about. And I want to talk about a couple of specific stories, but do you have a process? Do you, are you a kind of guy like you hear a weird thing and you write it down and think I better go investigate that, figure out if something's there. Do people bring you ideas when you've been around and doing it as long as you have, like what your best stuff, where's it come from? I mean, I think it's a combination of all those things. You know, I mean, it's one, one thing to, to, I think being able to recognize what a good story is, is half the battle. And I think that's, that's the central question of my life, probably yours too, probably everyone who does this, but you know, you, you hear an idea and you're like, is, is that a column? Is that a good column? And like, you, you know, you're trying to drive into what would make it a good story. will make it unique. Um, you know, and then it's just, then it's just knowing where to find them and where to look. And I, I think the one thing I've, I've tried to do, over the course of my career. And part of it is out of necessity because I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly going to blow people away with my, you know, football analysis sometimes, but uh, I just try to look for stories where people aren't looking. And I think that's part of it, you know, look outside the team roster, look for families, look for, you know, quirky things that are happening on the side for students, you know, uh, the, the tie in the sports is, 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 is a, just a small part of, of what we write. We write about, we write about people, we write about events, we write about places, you know, um, one of my favorite columns I wrote recently was just on what happens after the, the high school wrestling championships. And uh, I'm standing there watching this, you know, these kids who get to the final of this thing and you, know, you and they lose. And so you're the second best wrestler in the state and just watching them go to this little loading dock and just throw their gear against the wall and sit there and cry. And one after another, these, you know, 18 year olds after, again, out of, what 500 wrestlers and they are the second best but they're so the devastation and it's just like the set called it the saddest place in new jersey sports and it's just you know part of it is just looking looking at certain things where you're you know just trying to find a way to capture what an event is like and i think that that's that's that means you know going beyond what's right in front of you sometimes can we talk about your mexico story sure yeah absolutely that was that wasn't that was one that was a weird one so this is it's called the Predator in Plain Sight was a special report came out last September. You went to Tijuana, Mexico to enter to write about a former Rutgers athlete who was charged with killing a woman uh, in Tijuana. How did you come across this story and how did you get your New Jersey media outlet to send you to Mexico <laughs> for part of the reporting on this. It feels like a boondoggle. It feels like a boondoggle. I, no, I, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. If you're looking for places not, to go with the family, Doug. Wasn't it Cabo? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I was about to say, if, if your murder was in Bahamas, maybe you could say that. Yeah. Uh, no, this is, a, I mean, his name was Logan Kelly. And it was one of those, you know, one of those when that news broke, because <clears throat> uh, it wasn't just a, a murder. He was caught on a surveillance tape. 
where you can see the crime and and and, the, and it's just this awful clip of him walking up behind this woman and and slicing her throat uh and it was it was on social media and, and so when the story broke you know it was immediately like well, well what what happened that make him do that? That was the first question. And then the second part, again, this is, this is, he was the state's highest scoring player his senior year of high school. He was a, he was a walk on a Rutgers, got a scholarship, you know, by all accounts, just, he went to one of the governor Livingston high school, one of the best prep schools in the state by all accounts, when you would have thought that this was a kid who was on his way to something great, uh, uh, or at least to a productive life, you know, for to, get to the point that was what interested me like how did it how did he go from there that point scholarship at Rutgers to slicing the throat of a sex worker in this awful place on you know Tijuana Mexico this club uh and that that's kind of what interested me and yeah it was I mean it was it was a sell I think you know our, our bosses were interested in the story and when I told them that you know this story, at least we have to go to Tijuana. And what I liked about what I really liked about it was I, when I said, when I made this pitch, I, I, I didn't know I could deliver the story, you know, and they still yeah. said, go, go see what you can come up with, you know, and that, that's to me, that's why I like working where I do because they, they support, they support that when they, you're passionate about this, going to cost us a couple grand, make the trip. Are you nervous then when you <laughs> go to do that to find, am I going to find, what I need to find slash what, what makes a story, what's a worthwhile thing to write. What was that feeling? I mean, I, I think I knew I would, I would come back with a story. The concern was that I wasn't going to come back with the story. Like, you know, you go there and you can come up and I come back and say, well, still don't know what happened, you know, in Tijuana, but here's where he went and I could retrace the steps. And the hard part is again, I don't speak Spanish you know, this is a very transient, you know, Tijuana, the, the, the women, it's just a terrible, terrible place. And I, that was one of the things I struggled writing because, you know, you don't want to go to Mexico and just crap all over the culture. But this is, I mean, the people, women come from, you know, Central America and they end up stuck at the border. And in order to, to support their family, they end up in these sex clubs. And it's just, you know, kind of and, and trying to tell that story and also conduct these interviews. And just from a logistical standpoint of, you know, <laughs> being in a place where you don't speak the language. And if you, you know, I don't have to tell you what this club was like, you know, with the constant women who are trying to get money out of your pocket and wallet and just trying to be able to do the logistics of the job was, was the probably the biggest challenge of my career. Just yeah. because of that sense. And, and then the second biggest challenge of my career was, was writing the expense report when I was done with it, because as you can imagine, there weren't many receipts that were handed out yeah. at, uh, in Tijuana for, for some of the, yeah, it was, it was just really a wild, uh, <laughs> wild reporting, reporting challenge. Uh, okay, so let's go completely different directions. I have like three or four more other things I want to talk to you about, about the, the sports writing and what you've done in your career. When you criticize people in the New York sports scene as a columnist, if there's a player or a manager or a coach or a general manager or team president or an owner that you are critical of, and you certainly have been at that at times, do you hear, do you hear about it? Yeah. Do they true. reach out? What, what do you hear? What, what, how often are, how much are the New York teams very aware of the people out there holding them to account. I think the bigger, the bigger it is, the less you hear, you know, like if I, if I rip Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, I doubt he's going to 
you're just going to read it in New Jersey. But I mean, we've had to do a lot of it with the Giants. It's just been a very, I mean, the Giants have become the East Coast Cleveland Browns. I mean, they've, and not just losing, but just losing in, in just levels of incompetence. And, uh, you know, it's gone to the, this has gone to ownership. And I've, I've had a, over the years, I've had a good relationship with John Mara, the co-owner of the Giants. But yeah, I mean, there's only so many times you can you can rip the GM or the head coach. There's a certain point where it goes to the top. It, the reason yeah. the team has has been has been in one of its worst decades of uh, in its history is the owner. And so that's you know that's uh, and yeah. You when when I've been critical of of him, I've certainly heard from the Giants about that. And that's you know that's part of the job. And I, I think they understand that. At some level, they understand that the team bring bring it. You know, they they've earned all of their criticism based on the record. But at the same point, you know, uh, they're sensitive to it. So it's but it's you know, I mean, I don't. I think the key is trying don't take cheap shots and also be be available for it. Be available. Listen to the criticism. Be show up. Show your face. Make sure they know you're there. Uh, and make sure you're fair with them. You know, like I like to say, like, hey, I'd rather cover you when you're winning. I like covering the Super Bowl, you know, when the Giants were yeah. in it. So make sure you make sure they understand that, you know, this is not this is not something you're enjoying. Are you do you wind up writing more about the Giants than the Jets? Is the, yes. is the, is the New Jersey audience different that way? What's the difference? It is. And it's I think that if you were to say where where is the where is the core of the Jets fan base, you'd probably say Long Island, even though they play in New Jersey. Uh, I bet you our readership is probably 80, 20 giants really? over huh. Jets. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, so we, I will certainly like, we covered the Jets when Rex Ryan was, had it going. He was interesting. They were making the AFC championship game. Well, I covered the hell out of the Jets. It's easier for us to say when the Jets are bad, eh, it's just, you know, like if there's, okay. a, if, if it's a toss up, which game to go to, it's the giants every time for us. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about Olympics a little bit. We got to know each other a little bit. Uh, the 2012 Olympics. Again, if guys, does anyone listening to this care about this? We work for the same company. <laughs> so advanced communications, that is the overarching. Our company has NJ.com, Cleveland.com, OregonLive.com, AL.com, PennLive.com, NLive.com, Syracuse.com. Those are kind of like the core things. We used to have New Orleans, then we sold it. So anyway, that's why Paul Lady is like, why am I talking to an Ohio State podcast for 45 <laughs> minutes about my trip to Mexico? And it's like, we get the same paycheck. You have to do it. Of course. Yes. That's why you're doing it. But, so people it's like, oh. so how many Olympics have you covered? Uh, I believe it's six. Yes. How do you get to keep going? Because I only went to one and I'm pretty sure they're Damn. never going to send me again. <laughs> what? What do I have to be the number one sports columnist in America to get to go again? What's your secret? <laughs> yeah. we, I, for, for years, I had a, bo- a boss who understood that that three weeks, while, while a lot of money, um, for, you know, I, you get, we must get, I don't know, 15 front page centerpieces out of covering the yeah. Olympics. In addition to that, it's also just the credibility of saying, hey, we've got, we cover, we cover international events. We've got someone at the Olympics. You know, I think that, that that's part of it. Uh, and New Jersey's had a chair of we've had a chair of really good athletes too. Yeah. And it's, I, I kind of we kind of laugh because I go to these things and like, you know, I can I can find the I can find the New Jersey angles just about anywhere. Like, yeah, end up at some curling venues. Like, no, there's a new fan from New Jersey right here. You know, it's, just, it's it's always like it's always become a comical thing. Just but but uh, yeah, but we the last and I'm I'm sad that I missed Tokyo with the. Uh, not sad that I missed Beijing, but sad that I missed Tokyo with with COVID. But hopefully Paris. I mean, 
good grief. That's one I'd like to go to. Certainly. You I'd guys, because like New Jersey, you've some of the best female track athletes in the country right now. So are the New McLaughlin, Jersey natives. McLaughlin is, is, yep. I think Mo is one of the up and coming yeah, track athletes. So uh, we've got that. We've had boxers, Shakur Stevenson. We have, we have Jordan Burroughs, wrestlers. We've had some, we've had some really big on the soccer team. Carly Lloyd was yep. a star for years there. So we've had some big ones come through. Uh, and even if it's not, I mean, there's such a level of talk about finding good stories. There's such a fascination with the Olympics and the culture of it. And I mean, some of the most memorable things of my career have just been in a random Olympic events that you end up and you're just like, how did I get here? And just, and just finding stories and, and places and the Olympics are great to cover. And I don't tell you this because every day you wake up and it's the biggest moment of somebody's life. Yeah. You wake up the next day and you do it again. You know, it's just like, it's, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's three weeks of hell, 14 hour days, 15 hour days. But I mean, there's nothing like it as far as storytelling. Perspective. You love it, right? You I love that. every time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the best thing I ever covered. Yeah. Yeah. And it was hard. I mean, I, I feel badly because I don't think the last two were talking to my friends who have been, who, who were there in, in Tokyo and Beijing, it just wasn't the Olympics. I mean, yeah, because the Olympics are the people, it's the culture, it's the crowd, it's getting out. And then it's, getting done with, you know, like I, I love staying and I was in Rio and some of this neighborhood in Rio. And by the time you're done with three weeks, like, you know, you know, the neighborhood, you know, oh, it's, good. It's, it's, good. it's a little cold to all of here. They got a great, you know, steak dish. I can't pronounce, but I just point to it in the menu. You know, it's like, you just know the, you just know the neighborhoods and the culture. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun to do. I, I, they do this thing uh, like on the internet. Sometimes I saw a thing was like, uh, list people that like you have either talked to or been within like 10 feet of or whatever, and, like four of them are real and one's a lie. And I have such a good one because I was covering a judo event in London and Putin was there. <laughs> That's great. And I like went to the bathroom and I came back and I was coming back. and like in the concourse and I was like, got shoved to the side and it's cause like Putin's coming through with like 10 bodyguards. So could, I didn't, I didn't could have saved the world a lot of trouble. Doug, no, if you, if you moved a little quicker, I was is just that, saying. Is that the outcome of this? Why didn't Doug take out Putin <laughs> a, lot a of decade ago? So it's not, it's not something you brag about. It's not like I hung out with Putin. But. We did the same thing. I was at, we were in London and we were going to some, like trying to get to all like, 10 events. You do these stupid things and the, just go to 10 different events on the first day Olympics. And we got on the wrong train, went the wrong direction. And we got, we went to like the cycling, the start of the, the, the cycling race. And we were, oh crap, we missed the start. And I stood with Mike Vaccaro, the great new columnist in New York Post. And he's looking like, well, what do we do now? And I'm pointing like I am three feet from Prince Charles. <laughs> he was just walk- he was just walking back, and I'm like, I got looking, and he's like, what? What? Vax, like, what? What? What are we doing? Like, look at me, like, no, don't look at me. Look, and he's like, oh, sh- Prince Charles. <laughs> and then you walked up and you said, and you asked Prince Charles if he had ever been to New Jersey. Exactly, exactly. What do you think? Could you just tell me your thoughts on the Vince Lombardi rest stop. You must have, you must have had pizza someplace. That's an award-winning That's- column. Right of there. course, that's it right there. Yeah. All right. So last thing, obviously, you're, you're world renowned for your master's columns. You always have a crazy and not crazy, like crazy isn't the best sense of the word um, idea about the masters. And if we can run through a couple of the ones that you have written before, do you think of those all year long? You have worn a garage sale green jacket around Augusta to see how people react to you. Um, you have written about like people who right? Like they have a house nearby and they refuse to sell it. You wrote the famous, famous Arnold Palmer 
ordering an Arnold Palmer story, which has to be the height of your sports writing <laughs> career. Maybe that one wasn't as planned, but you always have people now expect it. Steve Politi's creative master's idea. Do you think of them 365 days a year? Yeah, no quite. I'll be sitting on a beach in August and I'll be like, well, when did we do that at the mat? Yeah, it's 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 it because it's become a thing. And yeah, and, and half the time I don't come up with them in August, so I shouldn't waste my time thinking about them. A lot of them, like that Arnold Palmer one, is just like I just saw it unfold in front of me, you know. Um, that was that was and that was the first time I recognized the power of the viral internet thing because mm. when you tweeted that out, you could see like the the, the tweak deck was going. Brrr. This thing's getting retweeted a million times. Like, oh, that's my job now. That was the yes. moment when I realized, aha, find stories like this. Uh, you know, sometimes again, those those things are just recognized, knowing the place and and being as. Again, no one's coming to me for my analysis of Ricky Fowler's facts stroke. I'm like just. So they're looking for, they were looking for different and funny and quirky. And that's something I, I've been able to deliver from there. And it's sometimes it's just, you know, like this year I did the, you know, the Augusta national bathrooms. And uh, you think that would be like, who gives a crap? Oh, Hey, 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 oh, about that. But I mean, people, it's just because it's, of course it's Augusta. And of course, so of course it's crazy. And they've got like, you know, hidden behind the second tee is the perfect looking outhouse for, you know, for Rory McIlroy when he's, gotta go before he played you know and then the word of the chat i was fortunate enough to play augusta national which of course became a, a column in itself when i shot a 135 ish uh on oh, that's court. pretty good actually uh and he saw the cut i could see the where the where the champions uh relieved themselves so just yeah again just taking any kernel of something that's wacky and 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 taking it much too far is how you come up with those stories did you ask any bathroom questions in news conferences of any players oh, that or did you try to get them off to the side? Yeah, that, 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 those, those you have to kind of, yeah, that's, that's not, don't want to get my, because they, they know the funny thing about the masters that they, you know, they, they take themselves, obviously take themselves very, very seriously. seriously. So the moment, like we joke, like the moment you ask a sideways question, because I can tell where you, you have like a little microchip in your badge, which was, of course, another master story I wrote. You have a microchip in your badge. So when they call on you, they call on you by name. They go, yeah, Steve. And you're like, well, how does that guy, this guy's like, you know, the CEO of some fortune 500 company running the press conference at the masters. Like, I doubt he knows, like, I doubt he knows who I am, but of course, cause you have a microchip in there. But as part of that also I'm convinced sometimes that they, if you ask a sideways question, they will put a little X next to your name. So the, uh. next, the next CEO at the press conference, when he comes in, Oh, I'm not going to call him. I'm going to call, I'm going to call him Dave over there, you know? So, uh, but yeah, you, the, the bathroom questions you ask on the side, um, yeah, the, most of the wacky stuff I try to keep away from uh, keep away from the green jackets. I, I bet you have a lot of X's next to your name. I, I, I must. There's no question. Yeah. And so I don't want to leave people hanging on the Honor Palmer thing. Can you give the 30 second story of how you watched it unfold? It's been several years now. And then the ultimate punchline of the I don't want to give it away either. I want you to get more clicks. <laughs> but if you want to give away the punchline, it's a great punchline. So, yeah. So, I mean, one of the great things about the, the Masters, we, we've got, we're allowed to go where all of the, the muckety-mucks go. So, there's this great little outdoor eating area where, you know, you, you sit there and obviously you're sitting with the, the members and the former champions and sure as hell, two tables away, there's Arnold Palmer. 
and he is, I mean, he is drinking, he's drinking an Arnold Palmer. Uh, and so I see his waitress come up and bring it to him, bring it to him. And I leave the table and I follow her to whatever station. And I'm just, you know, I just said, excuse me, I'm just, ma'am, this is going to seem like a weird question, but you just served an Arnold Palmer to Arnold Palmer. I'm just dying to know, how did he order the drink? And he says, she says, well, yes, he looked at me and said, I'll have a Mr. Palmer and winked. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's exactly how we would do. Of course, that's exactly how we would do it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'll have a Mr. Palmer and winked. Just see, uh, but that's sports writing 101. Follow the server follow the station the and ask the question. Uh, yes. Ask the server. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, that's why you're Steve Politi. X is next to your name. Trophies on your mantle. Yeah. <laughs> Gets to go. Uh, I don't have a Mark Twain Mexico. though. Troy. I don't have a Mark Twain bust. I'll get I it. Wanna, what contest is this? I want to know. How, like, do I, how do I win this? I think it was like sixth place in the state of Indiana game story or something. I don't know. Uh, so, but again, when you get one, you hold on as tight as possible. You, the plaques are falling off the wall. You're like, what is this? Third place? Get this third place out of the way. Only first place hanging on the wall for Steve Politi. Um, do you still like it? You gonna keep uh, doing it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's right thing. You still did. I will. I will, I will admit there are, there are some days when you're covering a bad football team and you're like, am I really going to waste another Sunday? And it's hard. You can't you can't complain about this. It's like, yeah. I, be like, I don't want to go to the Super Bowl and go, what are you out of your mind? Uh, there are some times where you get bored of that. But this, I mean, the story is like the Tijuana story or just, you know, just uh, finding another finding the interesting stories of the thing, the thing to really keep you going. And that's, and that's still, I mean, that's, that's still the best part about the job. I mean, I don't have to tell you, it's just, it's just waking up and, you know, not knowing where you're going to go that day or where, where, where you're going to find, where you're going to find the story. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what keeps you going more than, more than the X's and O's and then the it's football Sundays. He's Steve Polivi. Read him at nj.com. They do. I think the, the beat coverage of what you guys do with Rutgers is as good as any college football coverage you'll find anywhere in the country. And so if and when Rutgers starts, you know, competing for the playoff and stuff, whoo, hey, you guys will be good to go. It's been more. I'll tell you, we've had some bad. We've had some bad times, but it's been uh, they're turning. I think they've turned the corner. I think the days of and that was really talk about drags. I mean, when they were when this was one scandal after another, that got pretty old covering that and and parking your car, wondering what you know what terrible thing was going to happen at Rutgers. Uh, they seem to have turned the corner now. It's just a it's just an ordinary college football program trying to get better, and that's that's been refreshing to say the least. That sounds like a Steve Politi column, just like why ordinary is so refreshing for Rutgers football. Good idea. Yeah. Steve Politi, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here. I can't recommend that you guys listen. If you've never read Steve, just check out some of his stuff. I mean, it, it's one of those things. You don't have to be a fan of New Jersey sports to want to read a lot of the stuff that Steve writes because it's just interesting and it's just about people who happen to be connected to sports and uh, he'll take you on a little ride. Steve, thanks so much for your time for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Thanks, Doug. I really enjoyed it. Great talk. All right. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. All right. So that's just the reality of Rutgers. I just, I can't do too much on it. You guys can't listen to too much on it. I feel like sometimes maybe people think I'm picking on Rutgers. I'm really not. They're just not interesting yet. Um, They beat Michigan the first year in the Big Ten in 2014. They beat Michigan State in 2020. They've also been within uh, Michigan State, within two scores of Michigan State two other times. 
they played Michigan within a touchdown last year, in addition to beating Michigan in 2014. They've never uh, beaten Penn State, but they've played within two scores of Penn State twice since the they joined the Big Ten. They just haven't ever hung with Ohio State. In eight years, the total score is 428 to 88. That's an average score of 54 to 11. And it's going to happen again. And I've referenced it before. I'll keep referencing it. Um, Talk about great sports writing. Listen, back in the day, I could spin a yarn. I just mostly talk now. One of my, I, 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 Steve gets to cover the Masters every year. I've covered the Masters three times, um, twice for my previous employer, once for Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. It was just the Plain Dealer back then, but it was when Greg Oden and Ohio State and Mike Conley went to the Final Four in Atlanta uh, in 07. And then Bill Livingston and I, and I covered the Final Four and then just stayed and went to the Masters. We're like, what? So uh, I've covered the Masters a couple times. One of the best things I ever wrote. I like doing stuff where you put your eyeballs on things. So my previous employer, I went to the Masters twice. And one time I cover, I just followed around four different golfers uh, for a whole day. I did John Daly for a whole day on Thursday. I did Arnold Palmer. It was his final Masters on Friday. It was the last round he ever played at the Masters because he obviously didn't make the cut. And then I did Tiger on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I think I just you know wrote the game story. Um, but when I followed Arnold Palmer around, just the sights and scenes and stuff they don't catch on TV, it was one of the better things I ever wrote. So take that, Politi. But they don't send me back there anymore. But anyway, I do like this. This isn't about the Masters. This is from the Ohio State-Rutgers game in 2016. Rutgers will never beat Ohio State. To the person pulling this story out of the archives a couple hundred years from now and calling me a hater after that first Rutgers win in the series, you got me. My great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren can deal with the blowback. So that's where I am. I, I don't see it. I don't know how it would happen. It would take amazing Rutgers and horrible Ohio State. So that's the deal. We didn't do a ton of Rutgers football. We're going to get back to more interesting games uh, next week. Next up is Michigan State. That's already recorded in the house. That's a good conversation. Then after that, uh, we get to Iowa, then Penn State. So some more interesting games ahead, but this is just the deal. We appreciate you guys listening. Back Wednesday, Thursday, Ohio State recruiting talk. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop any Apple reviews. We'll certainly take those. Try the texts at 614-350-3315. Thanks to Steve Politi. As good as it gets in this business, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks to you guys for listening, and that was Buckeye Talk.